Hi and welcome to Community Campfires 2022, Episode 3 from the Scottish Book Trust. I'm Chris Stooks, one of the podcast producers from the project and we are also under the umbrella of the Year of Scotland Stories. If you've listened to the previous two podcasts, you'll know we've collected voices from North Ayrshire, Inverclyde and Fife, as well as the Western Isles. And in this podcast, we partnered with On Fife and I spent the week at the Jenny Lee Library in Loch Gelly and two care homes in the region, as well as at Loch Gelly Bowling Club. We start, though, with Grace Ross, who visited the library, and I've given her a generous bit of airtime because she was able to cover a lot of diverse subjects. She talks about Loch Gelly and her family lineage in the area, plus she spoke about budgies and a place called the Happy Land, and that's pretty hard to resist. I'm holding up my mum's library ticket. Betty Street in 90 months part Loch Gelly. She stayed at that house since she was 11 years old till she passed away at the age of 95. My name's Jane Russell and I work in the library service development team in Fife Libraries. And what happened was the libraries put an old ticket, the oldest ticket that they've found in many a year, um, on Facebook page. I was surprised because I've seen it on past and present on Facebook. Uh, And I was surprised to see my mum's name and uh, address on it. And we were wondering, um, actually, is this the oldest library ticket in existence? And then Grace arrived outside the library yesterday and said, that's my mum. (laughs) So it was actually, it was quite a nice moment. Uh, My mum was born in the Happer Land in Loch And when the Timmins Park houses were built, my mum's family were the first tenants in the street. My mum was engaged to my dad for nine months, but because her mum had passed away, a counsellor, David Campbell, come and told my mum, you're getting married in three weeks' time so that you can get the tenancy of this house. And they were very happy years in Timmins Park. Everybody was like family. We went in, out and in each other's houses. If you were with some, in somebody else's houses and they were having a dinner, you got fed and vice versa. And as I say, my dad, he passed away when he was 90 and my mum passed away at 95 and they stayed in the same house all these years. We had the the wooden pulleys in the kitchen. I remember my mum having a boiler and having to hang the washing out. And I remember blankets and I went and swung on the rope and the rope broke and all the blankets had to get re-washed again. (laughs) My mum wanted to be a home help two hours a week and my dad wasn't happy because he was the breadwinner. We had good memories. My dad would play games with us. I'd sit on his knee and draw on his arm or paint on his arm. He'd let me, you know, because you'd, paper, pen and paper were expensive in these days. We used to go down to the local at the weekends and it would be perch was the fish we'd catch. I never caught anything. I didn't have the patience to stand there with my fishing rod. I was quite happy paddling about in the water. But um, him, my brother and me used to go fishing every weekend. Um, in the winter, when it was snowing, we'd go down the golf course with our sledge and my dad would haul the sledge back up and Bill and I would uh, go down. I have one son. Uh, he's now 33. <laughs> when he was small, I worked and my mum and dad watched him. And I remember my dad in the back garden with the ho- garden hose and he was thinking the water onto my son Adam 
and the phone went in the house. So my dad went in the house to answer the phone, closed the door. Adam thought it would be fun. Follow him, put the hose through the front door, the letterbox on the front door and try and hose my dad. <laughs> every November, well, I don't know about now, but up until every November, they had a thing about budgies, a budget show. And they've got a Gruer cup. And my granddad was the first person to bring budgies to Fife. He bought a pair back in 1800 and something from Australia and it cost him £30 at that time to buy this breeding pair. I have a couple of medals belonging to him. As I say, they were great budgie people. The Straitons took my mum, unofficially adopted her. So her mum was actually what we call a spay wife. She went with the doctor for births and deaths. She went out to farms and, like, for the farmer's wife, if she was having a baby, she would stay with the farmer's wife until the baby was born and everything was fine. If somebody, if, say, the farmer's wife was passing away, the doctor would come and get her and she'd go and stay with that person until they passed away to let the farmer carry on looking after his farm. And that's so she was called a spay wife. Next is Mary Clark with a novel approach to parking a caravan and archaeological pilgrimages with the wrong shoes. We had a great childhood, very happy. There were six of us in the family, three boys and three girls. My dad, he could turn his hand to anything. He was in the Rimi when he was in the army. He was on repairing radar and things like that, so he was very technical. We got a caravan when we were a wee bit older. And I remember a council house and it was a slight incline just to the side of it to get to the garage. And it couldn't sit there because, it couldn't sit on the road because the roads were narrow. Couldn't park because it couldn't get out of the garage. So my dad, being my dad, made the door way bigger, took the back of the garage, pulled the caravan through, replaced the back, replaced the door. And every summer <laughs> that would come off. And that, that was the sort of person it was, you know. All the minor kids off went to Butlins, but we, we were taken up to once we went to Ellen because in the Scotsman they had read that there was a discovery, it was in the Antiquarian Society, they had discovered there was a Beaker Man cup found in the field. So we trailed from, we were on, in holiday, on holiday in Stonehaven and we trailed from there to Ellen to look in a hole in the field. My mum had high heels on at the time, trailing through a field to be told that it was in the local church hall in Ellen. So we then had to go there. And when we got there, it was this wee thing like this. <laughs> that was her holidays, but that was normal. You know. I was five when the coronation took place and there was a street party and a Mrs Ewan's up the road in our street organised a party for all the kids in the area. My dad made a crown out of cardboard and velvet or artificial velvet you know, and somebody in the street was crowned as the Queen. And I was really mad because this girl who was about 11 got this crown and got to keep it. <laughs> and my dad had made it. <laughs> you know, but it was a great, it was a good time. You know, it was, it was good fun. You could, you could understand that, you know, a kid. Dad had made it. We move on to the Abbotsford Care Home now in Cowden Beath, where we met Jock Snedden. Jock used to be a miner and he recounts here how long the work commute was and the closest call of his life. I've got to talk. Well, well, we know that. I was a miner. All my days, I was a miner. I was in a factory all my days. Uh, there was some uh, place going down the mine. You had to go down in the boogies 
and oh, you went in there for miles. And when you got out, you had to walk for a few miles day. Then that was the, you were at the coal face. Uh, quite a few of your mates got killed. Right, never that. Quite a few of them got killed. Because I was in Seafield. I don't know if you can where that is, that's Kirkcaldy. Kirkcaldy, right. And uh, that's where your big accident was in Seafield. Uh, it was very, very serious at the time, like in. But if it had been the next shift, it would have been me. It was the shift before us that they, they got killed. And just an explosion. I was at an explosion and they were caught in the, the explosion. All my pals. Yes, it was very, very terrible at that time, like in. Aye, there were quite a few years of effect that was that. Aye. I drove the big machine that cut the coal. I was a machine man. And it was uh, my job to drive the machine and cut the coal. And the three of my neighbours was killed. It took us three hours maybe to get to work. And, and then we started the machines up and started cutting the coal. We were in bogies or little cars. About maybe 30 years, and uh, we were all transported to our work, but that took a while, that took hours to get transported to your work. We were there eight hours. Aye, was, there were long shifts, I must say that. It was a long shift. But yeah, you couldn't have done anything about it, you had to work. You had to get money somewhere. <laughs> Back at the library, Anne Belton talks about library bosses that like to drink, not after, but during work. I was 17 and I'd been sent from Carnegie Library to work in Loch Library. And it was a long day. I was working with the librarian, so I was aware she was watching me. I was new to the post. So I never halted the whole day, tidied every single book in the library until eventually around about five o'clock, she asked me, Anne, will you sit on your behind for a minute? You know, you're making me feel lazy. So I sat up on a green stool and thought, what do I do now? I'm just sitting here, there's nobody in the library. And after a minute or two, she said, would you like a drink? I said, well, I don't drink tea or coffee. I'm not offering you tea or coffee. Well, I'll maybe take coke or that if it's okay. Yeah, I'll just nip next door to the pub across the road from the library. And she came in with a drink for herself and a, a coke for me and we sat there and drank it. And she said, if the boss of the library service comes walking in just now, I'll get sacked. But he's no likely to do that, so just relax. And this theme about secret library drinking continues in Helen Howell's clip. Linda said to me it was changed days since she first started in the library. Um, she had basically just left school and she was the librarian that she worked with. She says, I was shocked, she says, to find she used to keep her wee glass of whiskey and her cigarette and her ashtray under the counter. And as soon as the customers left, she would have a, a swish and a draw and then put them back down again for the next customer coming in. Yet again, we continue this theme with Jane Russell's memory. 
And I remember they used to go out and drink at lunchtime in the Christmas party, so we're, they'd come back and get drunk. And I was in the rent rebate section and they were just smelling the drink. It was quite incredible. And there was always affairs going on and all that sort of stuff in the offices and it was always an open secret and it's just totally different now. <laughs> you wouldn't get off with half of what they got off with in the 70s, that's for sure. Thankfully, we have sobered up and we return to Anne for a really sweet library memory about a boy on a mission. Again, in Lochgelly Library a lot of years ago, the staff decided we would do over the summer holidays like a, a challenge for children. And we had a bookworm and each time they completed a challenge, they got the name put on one of the segments on the worm. And the idea was at the end to see who had the most segments or the most points eventually when we went to a point system. And there was a wee boy and his name was Jamie. He was about five or six at the time and he was in the library every day on his own. And he used to come in and get his books and ask what we were doing and is there anything he could do to help us? And we said, we're doing this challenge, would you like to do it? Right, the first thing you have to do is you have to pick a letter out of here. So we had the alphabet and letters and he picked out a G. Whatever I do, you have to go away and you have to come back with three things beginning with the letter G. So he went away and he came back and he had a giraffe ornament he'd taken out of his mum's house. He had something that was made out of glass and then he put his hand in his pocket. He says, I couldn't think of anything else, so I've brought you that. And he produced grass that he'd picked out of his garden. And then his second challenge was he was to take a piece of paper and he was to go away and he had to draw a member of staff. And he came back and I wish I had kept the drawing. It was a, a circle with the wee stick arms and legs, two eyes, the nose, a huge big smile, and then further down there was a dot. And I said, Jamie, that's lovely, who's that? He says, it's you, Anne. I says, can I ask you something? Yeah, I says, what's the dot? That's your belly button. He, got, he actually won that year. He, he tried his heart out and he actually got the most segments on the worm. So he was our star that year. And I'd love to know what's happened to Jamie. Playing us out of Loch Gelly and Fife is, you could argue, Mr. Loch Gelly, Bill Paul. Bill has a double life of being both heavily involved in Loch Gelly Bowling Club, but also, as we will hear, he treads the boards at Loch Gelly and District Amateur Musical Association. Bill says he's often a gangster. I'd better behave. I'm involved in Loch Gelly Musical which is on, the show's on at the centre the night. It's been, it's, it's on all week. Chess, we're doing that show in, in the centre. And I've been in that company for 66 years. And I was president of that for 23 years. So I'm still involved, and my wife's still involved, you know, and my granddaughters are involved. So. The musical's been going since 1935. And we've been doing the shows in the Lord Gilly Centre since it opened in 1976. My own memories are, with my voice and my looks, I was never able to play a leading part. I was always the gangster, the thug. And my fair lady, I was the bucket man. I think in two shows I've been killed off and three I've been put in prison. But uh, I certainly enjoyed it, even though all that happened to me, you know. <laughs> and uh, Annie Get Your Gun, I played Chief Sitting Bull. And in the Desert Song, I played uh, the Pharaoh. And Carousel, once again, I was the, the gangster, you know, the thug that nobody liked, you know. Guys and Dolls, again. I was a gangster there called Harry the Horse. And the reason I was Harry the Horse was I used to laugh as if I was neighing like a horse, you know. <laughs> in uh, Showboat, 
way back, and uh, we did this in the 60s, and uh, I was blackened at that time. You were able to do that at that time, you know. I was blackened because I was playing duo. Old Man River was the song I sung, you know, and that was in Showboat. We also did a couple of black and white minstrel shows where all the men had black faces, which they would never, obviously, never happen now. But that happened, we did shows, I believe, about 1970 and 75 minstrel shows, as well as doing the, the other shows as well, you know. The history of Logelli, I mean, between the bowling club and Logelli Musical, I believe, because of my age, you've, you've actually got the person who, who knows more than most people will, you know, because I'm 84. And uh, I've been in this club 41 years, and I've been in the musical 66 years come September. So Logelli is a, <laughs> a famous place for me, you know. Thank you once again for listening to the Community Campfires podcast, which has come to you today from Loch Gelly in Fife. Community Campfires is a Scottish Book Trust project in partnership with North Ayrshire Libraries, Inverclyde Libraries, On Fife and Western Isles Libraries, and is supported by the Year of Scotland Stories. The music was by Zachar Valaha, and I hope you've enjoyed these three podcasts from me, Chris Dukes. Please also check out our podcast from the Western Isles team, which we will link to online. Thanks ever so much for joining us and goodbye.